in the words of the great John Boys, gentlemen, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Well, you know what they say, Harrison, cautions make caution babies. And uh, in this case, they were multiplying like Catholic rabbits. <laughs> I was going to say, was, was was the race steward for this for this uh, Laguna Seca round Philip Rivers? I'm asking for a friend. Welcome <laughs> to episode 472. <laughs> It's, it starts early on this episode, friends. This was not the geriatric quarterback that I thought we were going to be torching in the first five minutes of the show. I must admit, Philip Rivers caught a stray on that one, I have to say. Uh, all I will say in response to certain NFL QB-related news is rub some ivermectin on it and you'll be fine. Welcome to episode 472 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host with two working Achilles, Dre Harrison. And welcome to the season finale of the 2023 uh, IndyCar season finale at the Grand Prix of Monterey, formerly known as Laguna Seca. Uh, less broken dreams here than the New York Jets. All your listening time back. <laughs> I promise you I haven't got any more Aaron Rodgers jokes. If you're a Jets fan and you're listening, uh, celebrate. Aaron Rodgers isn't playing for you anymore. You don't have to have that worry. one. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. My team lost after after the New York Jets prized new quarterback. You lost to the New York Jets having lost their superstar quarterback after four snaps. Four Four snaps. Uh, Well, uh, look, as someone who um, has suffered injuries of the left ankle and has Achilles damage. While I will not actively make fun of Mr. Rogers, I will not stop my co-host from doing so. You Beautiful. reap what you sow. Like, I, I, I don't know what was funnier, losing Aaron Rodgers after four snaps or watching that whole game till half four in the morning, go to overtime and seeing RJ's crushed face as his beloved Buffalo Bills lost the game via a walk-off punt return touchdown. Only the third time it had ever happened in the why, history why is, of the National. Why is Josh Allen all talent and no football IQ? Because, because he's a big golden retriever of a quarterback. Just tell him. Just like, tell him, go get the ball. It's 20 yards downfield. Go throw the ball 50 yards downfield. Not that way. That's a good boy. That's a good boy. <laughs> um, well, uh, thank you for tuning into this episode of Football 101. Yes, welcome um, to our NFL podcast. Actually, uh, I, need to, I need to slightly derail this for a bit. Is that like weren't derailed enough? But, no, no, because like, uh, today, we've had news that has just come in that has changed the entire landscape of racing. For the first time in 6,902 days, Nintendo has released a brand new installment of the F-Zero sci-fi racing series. Yes! It is a 99-player circuit racing battle royale. Structured similar to the original, which is basically based on the original Super Nintendo game. Okay, now we're back. uh, We are. We are. Well, I'm more back because as a Mario Kart fan, uh, we got Daisy Circuit, which is an absolute good. Um, And we got Funky Mode. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe featuring Funky Mode with Funky Kong. Um, 
they you also know, got Thousand it, Year Door. I'll save that for our uh, RPG podcast. Um, F-Zero <laughs> fans got such a boot up the ass today, I'm not even going to complain that there was no Metroid shown. Right. Um, <laughs> But uh, you know, on we, this episode, did we really? Of, did we really get something? Did we really suffer? We've been suffering for the you last got nineteen something. years. You got something, but was it what you wanted? No, I'm not going to pretend like this is what I wanted. I'm gonna. This, I'm this, gonna it's not what I wanted, and I'm gonna play the no, shit out of it. No, yeah, yeah. It's like to be absolutely certain. What I absolutely wanted was for Nintendo and Sega to put their heads together, remaster F Zero GS. Give us that 30 player multiplayer experience with the best game in the series. That's leave the music alone. The music is perfect as it is. Well, on our F Zero podcast, as follows, (laughs) we are going to be getting into the unmitigated clusterfuck that was the 2023 series finale at Laguna Seca for IndyCar. You want to talk about things that you 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 were expecting but weren't what you wanted at all? Uh, yeah, I was half expecting it, and I really didn't want it. No, it was it was like this is the last time we're gonna have Laguna Seca as a finale as it stands according to the IndyCar schedule. It's rumors are it's gonna be the second round next year, so we're gonna be back here again quite soon, probably yeah. likely March. Absorbed, and the Nashville curse left Nashville and seems to have infected Laguna Seca along with all of the drivers' brains. <laughs> Um, because, you know, we talked a little bit at length about the driving standards of IndyCar and how they've been a little bit iffy this year. Well, this race, they were a lot iffy. In fact, this race was a, a temple to everything wrong with IndyCar driving standards. I think of it like Gennaro, the the great Gennaro too. So sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Yeah. In this case, a little bit of both. Yeah, that, that's definitely how it works out. Go oh, hi, hi. By the way, I'm Dre Harrison. I, I occasionally host this podcast. Um, as you can probably <laughs> tell by now, and if you haven't, what podcast have you been listening to? Your brother, also, your brother also crashed in for a minute. He it did. Was off he, camera. He, he insisted he went for like, I, I, I tell you exactly why, um, listeners. The reason why was because he had just microwaved some leftover Cinnabon, and he insisted to steal a tub of my frosting. Um not knowing that I was in the middle of recording a podcast, the filthy swine. Um, so I'm going to beat his ass after this podcast is finished. Top uh, five food-related intrusions on the Motorsport <laughs> 101 podcast recording. This is you can find us. You can find us where all good podcasts are grown and sold. You can find Cinnabon. us on the artist formerly known as Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. And Instagram. Even Instagram. Yes, uh, I'll quickly go for that. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter and Motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles are at Dre underscore WTF1. At CBuckley917 at RJ O'Connell. Our website, Motorsport101.com. If you want some extra IndyCar content, by the way, part one of my three-part special of reviewing every single team in IndyCar in the year of Aluigi, 2020 and three more. Um, part one of that went up literally as we recorded this this afternoon. So if you want to hear a little bit about Mayor Shank, Dale Coyne, AJ Foyt and Junkos in part one, that is out right now. There's a reasonable chance you might get part two by the time this goes out as well. Part two will be on Ed Carpenter Racing, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, um, and as well Andretti. I, I'm putting the line for Osborne saying global here and now, I suppose. Um, and part three. They were three, globally ass. 
<laughs> globally mid. That's why that's why they're in part two. McLaren got the main event slot in part three uh, alongside. And they didn't even win a race to do it. I know it's crazy. Uh, part three alongside them, Penske and Chip Ganassi. And hey, if you'd like your season reviews in audio form, don't worry. We'll be back next week for our IndyCar season review special alongside our F1 Singapore Grand Prix review as well. So plenty of IndyCar to wrap up the month of September with me and uh, my buddies Cam and RJ over here. So all of that, motorsport101.com, if you enjoy that. And if you really like it, head over to patreon.com forward slash motorsport101 and you can back us financially on there for early access to listening to shows as we're recording them as well. So big thanks to that. Eventually, we're going to talk about some race cars on this F-Zero podcast. So let's get into that right now. And let's talk about the IndyCar season finale at Laguna Seca. Gentlemen, it was complete chaos at the Grand Prix of Monterey at Laguna Seca to end the 2023 IndyCar season. The final time in the foreseeable future that an IndyCar season will end at the traditional Northern California venue. In the 75-lap race, we had 35 laps of full-course yellow with eight different cautions, 17 driving penalties handed out across eight different drivers, eight of which were for avoidable contact, including three botched restart attempts at the final corner, and also the, the needed to refuel the safety car. They yeah. needed to refuel the safety car. Yeah. And as in all things, when IndyCar turns to utter chaos, Scott Ditson came back from an early penalty for avoidable contact, cycled back to the front on strategy, and won comfortably from his fellow Scott McLaughlin in second, and Alex Pillow, who led 51 laps before being nailed on a late caution himself, ended up in third to close out what may be the greatest season in a unified American open wheel racing series. Well, gentlemen, how do you sum this up? I, uh. I, 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 I joked on our Discord server many a time, how the fuck am I going to write a race review for this one? And I was like, you know what I decided? I thought, fuck it. And I'm going to do it here too. I'm going to list off exactly what got us the eight cautions we had in this race in the end. So bear with me for just a moment here. <clears throat> opening lap, we had eight different cars initiate contact on the opening corner of this race. We had Colton Herter that may or may not have jumped the start. That one's up for debate. We had Lungard losing control at the apex. He hit Joseph Newgarden. Behind him, we had Vips, Armstrong, and Rahal collide. And then... Ray Hall hit Newgard and off the track himself. McLaughlin, who was hit by Lingard earlier, had to, had to take a joker lap through the gravel trap on the outside. And then in a completely separate incident, 200 yards later, Colton Herter very lightly taps Scott Dixon, and then Dixon clatters into Renus VK. After all of that, eventually race control decides that Dixon and Lingard should get drive-through penalties for avoidable contact. Remember that. Graham Ray, and Graham Ray Hall's race is effectively done at one corner. Yes. 
He got out well, of the he car. Did, he, did, he did point out, by the way, that he was not yelling at Yuri Vips. He was just fr- he was just sharing his frustration. He was not yes. yelling at him. So all you internet keyboard warriors <laughs> out here need to get your facts straight. Yes. Um, look, look, Graham, all I will say to that is you may very well be right, and I'm sure you were looking out for your teammate Yuri Vips. All I will say is your reputation precedes you. <laughs> that, like, that's all your I will repu- say. Your reputation time. precedes you in the count of both cases. But yes, Ray Hall's race is done. Denson gets a penalty. Lungar gets a penalty. Caution number two on lap number eight. Joseph Newgarden spins out on his own. He's now two laps down after having to fish his car out of the gravel trap. He spins out. He doesn't even put a wheel on the on the gravel. He just, just, he, fun. He, he just spins yeah. out on a curb. This was like, one thing that, yeah, if you didn't know, Laguna Seca got a repave. The driver, mm-hmm. Some of the drivers got to test it, and all the feedback was the same. There is so much grip on this track, so long as you stay on the racing line. If you slide off the line, it is going to be a problem because cars were going off in testing, cars were going off in practice, cars were going off in qualifying, and in Newgarden's case, he went off at turn four, a fast corner, and dropped him from third to fifth in the final standings despite winning Four races on the season. Again, this is the most average great season. That this he's is had. the most D plus B plus season I've ever seen. I do again. I'm going to review that man's season later later on this week. What I the do hell not, are we going to say? I have no idea how I'm going to describe that. It's such a bizarro land season for a guy that's normally bulletproof on road and street courses, and Joseph Newgarden's entire season fell apart because of the Roan Street courses. It is such a weird phenomenon to talk about. This was Joseph Newgarden's worst season in IndyCar since 2018. <laughs> yeah, that's the last time he finished fifth in the championship. I picked him to win the whole title. Yeah. I picked Scott McLuckin. I was reasonably better off. Reasonably. I feel hey. great about my pick. I feel amazing. I'll kiss my ass. Now, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll kiss this Aster Cup, thanks. The, I, I will, I will as, a, as a Brit who is often used to this in many Olympic occasions, I will happily take my bronze medal and smile gracefully into the camera with Scott McGon. He is literally the bronze medal. I'll drink Frank to that. Yeah, I am the bronze medal beam format right now as we speak. Dude. I will douse myself in this flavored water I'm holding. Caution number three, lap 29, Sweden on Sweden crime, as I like to call it. Marcus last races. In their last races together in their respective teams, uh, Marcus Ericsson of Chip Ganassi Racing, um, and of course, Felix Rosenquist, who'll be heading to Mayer Shank next year. Marcus Ericsson dive bombs the ever-loving shit out of Felix at the opening corner, gets it wrong, Pits Rosenquest, spins out himself. He stalls his car on the outside of lap one. He punches Felix's left rear tire, and Felix, not knowing his tire is flat, ends up ditching it in a gravel trap on the outside of turn two a corner later. Mm. Uh, That's a seven-lap-long caution to clean up that mess. Marcus Ericsson gets hit with a back-of-the-grid penalty for avoidable contact. And we also get our um, our first objective yellow of the race. 
Yes, because uh, like, oh, oh, they they left the car out there a little bit long. Maybe maybe the leader should pit. I, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to throw that one out there. Um, you, you you debate that one at home. I can't even be bothered to talk about that one. Caution number four. Let's call it botched restart number one. <laughs> oh, 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 you think there's just one? Uh, it, I'll give you a hint. It's numbered for a reason. Now. Look, the final corner is a nasty bottleneck at Laguna Seca. Turn 11 is a 90-degree corner, and if you get it wrong there, you're going either over somebody's car or into the gravel on the outside, a la Casey Stoner that one time. Um, and, or both. Or both, in many cases. This time, it was Will Power that was ultimately responsible. Power tapped and spun out Benjamin Peterson, um, and in the middle of it, Callum Ilot and Helio Castroneves rough up their cars too. Um, Meanwhile, further on down the road, there's a checkup between Ilot, Canapino, McLaughlin, and Santino Ferrucci. Ferrucci pulls off this miracle save where he Rear goes. Rear-ended by McLaughlin and big Oppo. Big. I hate to hand it to the guy for such a great <laughs> car control. <laughs> He has a knack for this, Ferrucci. He has he, he's he's avoided many a wreck on ovals before doing exactly this sort of bullshit. So, yeah, like after all of that, it takes them a good while to clean that up. McLaughlin gets hit with a back of the grid penalty. As so does, does Will Power. Power. McLaughlin and Power get hit with back of the grid penalties, and then after they pitted. When race control told them to go into the back of the grid, they get a second penalty, a driver penalty for for breaking that pitting after reposition penalty. Uh, Whoops. It- <laughs> oh, you silly boys. Um, so, yes, two sets of penalties for two Penske's in the space of five minutes. Great work, everybody. Um, next up, question number five, that 58. We actually had a period of green for a little while. Yeah, until... Alice Pillow is cruising at this point, by the way. Yeah, he's got an eight-second lead in hand here. And unfortunately, Devlin Francesco decides, I'm going to take the really narrow inside line to defend myself against Stephen Belukas. Both cars are a lap down already. Um, oh, this is so fucking stupid. Devlin rides the curb, loses No, no, control. no, he didn't even get there. He didn't even get to the curb, Drake. He just lost it under braking. Yeah, lost lost the front of the car under braking. Is has lost control of his car. Like David Malukas gives him bless him. Malukas was very generous. He gave him all the space in the world. <laughs> Di Francesco just crashed into him. He speared him like Roman Reigns into the gravel trap. It breaks Devlin's gearbox. Remember that it becomes very important later. And David Malukas ends up beached in a gravel trap. That's caution number five. That took five laps to settle before botched restart number two. <laughs> and, and oh. I, I do. I should also mention, by the way, that was the one full course yellow that turned the race because that's the one that Alex Below could not react to in time. Paddle yep. Ward looks like he's in the catbird seat to win this race. Paddle Ward was in the pits as the caution flag dropped. Yeah. Pato became favorite for the win right there and then, but he couldn't do 32 laps of the track on a single stint of fuel. It becomes important later. It becomes important immediately. Yes. Because you think, well, everyone still has one stop to go. 
Uh, you think we were done with cautions? Yeah, caution number six is for what I call botched restart number two. This time, Tom Blomquist and Santino Ferrucci both hit the breaking zone for turn 11 way too hard, um, with Ferrucci going over Alex Polo's car before coming to a stop. Shout out uh, to Townsend Bell for <laughs> blaming Alex Polo for making the corner while seeing Santino Ferrucci went careening over the top of him, having not made any attempt to stop for the corner. Bro. Townsend, I'm begging you. Bro. If you're gonna if you're gonna fanboy this hard, find a different profession. Dude, please. It's, it's crazy. Like it's so Townsend, cringe. Townsend Bell has fallen off quite a bit as an IndyCar commentator. This was the guy that was having to basically babysit Paul Tracy in the booth for several years. And now he has become the Paul Tracy. Of the I booth. think it's rotted his brain. Yeah, it's clearly done him dirty as a result of all this because now he, he he no longer is able to fairly evaluate an incident because he blamed Alex Polo for Alex Polo being run over. Um, yeah, look, look, make it make sense. Uh, this is the point where I must admit I'm starting to run out of patience here, right? Which means it's time for another botched restart of caution number seven immediately after they cleaned up the last one. Now... Like, this, a hat-trick of botched restart. We're giving Marcus Armstrong a a game soccer ball to commemorate his hat-trick. Um, he tried to go the long way around turn 11, and he got spun out by Benjamin Peterson on the inside of him. And then Marcus Erickson, who's got nowhere to go, hits uh, Armstrong's car as a direct result. All I will say is Marcus crashed, and I refuse to elaborate on this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah at this point we're all just a little bit fed up <laughs> we're 70 laps deep we're thinking please god may it end and then two laps after we finally go green again caution number eight on lap 75 helio castroneves spins out for the second time in sector basically, one <laughs> basically a carbon copy of the DeFrancesco malucas incident yeah Sp- spins out on the on the apex of turn three um taking the inside line, plows into the side of Colton Herter's car. They're both in the gravel. Another caution comes out. Helio gets clapped for avoidable contact and a drive-through penalty. And finally, the race settled down after this one. And the man who cycled himself back to the front via lap 63 in that sixth caution, coming in under yellow, topping up his fuel to make sure he was good to go to the end, and winning the race despite a drive-through penalty is Scott fucking Dixon. Why? Because Dixon. That's why. How many fucking times have we <laughs> this said that- this on this show? <laughs> Dre, this is that this is that skateboard meme. The massive trick, like eight part trick, and at the end of the day, we end up with the same podium we should have probably had anyway. Of it Dixon. all shook out. It, it all shook out in the end. Yeah. Um beyond the podium though, dear God. What, what what the hell? Singray Rob finished 12th. <laughs> Despite <laughs> all of this, this was a running joke in our Discord during the race that all 12 drivers could have crashed ahead of him and Stingray Rob would have somehow found himself in 13th. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, gentlemen, right? The winner took a drive-through penalty for a blatant hip check and still won. Correct. The runner-up checked into another car and finished second. Yeah, he the had to serve two penalties. The f- so, uh, he had to serve a back-of-the-grid penalty and a drive-through and finished in second. Yes. The fastest man on the day was third. 
Fourth place Will who got yeah. fucked on a caution and then run over and still finished third. Willpower finished fourth after also taking somebody out of the botched restart. Christian Lungard got a drive-through penalty, did five stops on the day and finished in sixth. Callum Eilat went full Jensen Button in Canada 2011, went through the pit six times and he finished spun, fifth. He spun in the pit lane, Dre. He, he crashed spun. in the pit lane. He spun in the pit lane in front of Kyle Kirkwood who gave him the big thumbs up. And we'll dive into it in our season <laughs> review because things have taken a weird turn at Junko Hollinger Racing. But mm. man, what a drive from Callum Isla to overcome all of that. Dude, think of the implications of this race, by the way. It means that for the first time in 16, 17 years, Will Power does not win a race all season. It means that McLaren, the biggest disruptor to the hierarchy of IndyCar, does not win a race with any one of its three full-time cars, Antonin Kanaan. It means that Colton Herta, who was just being touted as a top prospect for an F1 drive this time last year, does not win a race. I That, uh, that, I, that big, beautiful livery ended up shattered in, a gra- in the gravel trap. Elio Castroneves' Neves, last act as a full-time IndyCar driver is going to be having... Just a terrible race. And he finished 13th and on the lead lap. Yeah. As for Mayer Shank this year, it wasn't too bad a result. <laughs> That's Dude. the second best result Mayer Shank has had in a race all year, by the way. Only Linus yeah. Lundqvist's Indianapolis Gallagher race was a better result for Mayer Shank this year. Oh. That is a... I'm growing incredibly depressed. That is the highest finish a Mayer Shank full-timer has had this year. I'm and growing it was a race. very, very, <laughs> very depressed. That was a race where Helio spun twice and got a drive-through penalty for avoidable contact and finished 13th. And he started at the back of the grid because he spun during his qualifying session and brought a red flag. Look, <laughs> Alex Pillow was the cleanest guy in the top five, and he straight-up hip-checked Rosenquist into the shadow realm early <laughs> in the race. Into oblivion on turn 11 on early doors. I was like, Pillow, you've won the title. You do not need to do this. No, no, and no. He the- won the title, and now he can. He doesn't have to care about points <laughs> Run it anymore. Up. Run it up. My mom, was, my mom was like, job boys in the Mariners dog, where he just goes, no, Alex Pillow could only be great. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. I-, I wonder how Felix would take that question. Dude. I'd like to remind everybody here that because Pillow finished in third, his 10th podium finish of the season, by the way, he took his average finish for the year down to an unthinkable 3.71. Unstrategically, Three. one of his worst days of the year. And he, he got and- run over. <laughs> oh, what, what a ridiculous fucking race this was. Honest, I've never... like People ask me, like, Dre, how the hell did you come up with a five in the race if you rating for it? And I was like, I put an asterisk next to it because I said, if you like shit shows, this is a nine out of 10. You'll love this race. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I love a good shit show, but I was joking about it. It's just like Laguna Seca sometimes gets criticized as a single seater venue because it's a one lane track. There's a lot of technical corners. It often doesn't lead itself to a lot of passing and eventful action. And that's probably one of the underlying reasons why they moved it. Real reason is money. The only reason is my, if, you, if you needed if you needed eventfulness, well, unfortunately, you're going to go to the hospital because you've been poisoned with eventfulness sickness. It happens. It happens to the best of us, guys. Guys, mm-hmm. my friends, my partners in crime. Yes, Cameron. They had to refuel. The, they had to refuel the pace car. 
Yeah. I've never I seen. I haven't seen that since Lamar 2011 when we punched two guardrails into space. <laughs> I've never seen the big refueling hose being attached to a road car. car. <laughs> that was a sight to behold. I've never seen anything like that before in my 25 years of watching racing. And it's not like this is like the Corvette ZR1 that a GM executive wiped out. Those things are... No, this is a Civic. It's it's a Honda Civic with a big fuck-off racing fuel tank being hoisted above its person. Do you know how wild it is that that's the second most wild incident involving a pace car and Indy car in the last five years? (laughs) I still have flashbacks of a Corvette suddenly going sideways. (laughs) (laughs) If I I was in that Corvette, it wouldn't have gone down like that. Oh, right. Man. Now we've roughly tried to make some degree of sense out of that whopper of a race. Yeah, I, I didn't. I think, I think the thing that makes sense is that Scott Dixon won in yes. a race where everybody in the last saloon lose their head. I, I like that Dixon went first, first, second, first to close out the year for 195 points. Again, if Pat Ward <laughs> just uses his head a little at Long Beach... Scott Ditson is also having one of the greatest seasons in a, in a unified American Open Wheel Championship. And he still does it. In that scenario, he's still like... Pelot was well over 600 points. The only person who broke 500 was Scott. Yeah. Dixon had a healthy 578. That would win you most championships in this era. Five, I've often said about 550 for a 17-race season, which isn't even really 17 races, because this was the first year of a single point of 500. So there was 50-odd less points on the table in the first place this year compared to most years, and he still ended up with 578. That's a phenomenal haul, and he still was... I want to say 78 points behind Polo in the end. Yeah. Yeah, and also I love that RJ put up a little the little stat sheet here that says that on average finish alone, Polo had the 16th greatest season in the history of North American single yeah. seat racing. Yeah. Ever. Everybody everybody else, by the way, you look at Tony and Kanan 3.0. That's during the split. Sam Hornish Jr., 2001, 3.38. Again, during the split. Sebastian Borde is on this list three times during split years. And then everybody else above, uh, everybody else above Plow is in like the olden days when the engines were still at the front. Well, olden days and like drivers who are like international racing gods, AJ Foyt, Al yeah. Unser, Rick Mears, AJ Foyt, AJ Foyt, <laughs> Bobby Unser, Johnny yeah. Rutherford. Yeah. By the way, there's some good. There's some good shit in here. If you take out the split years, which you could argue maybe had slightly weakened fields here, the most recent season on that list is Johnny Rutherford's 3.58 in 1980. Yeah, when Chaparral uh, brought ground. If, if you didn't know, Dre, that was when Chaparral brought ground effect to American open wheel racing and <laughs> beat that ass, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing I want to highlight. It's just, and we'll probably get into this more, but I just want to touch on it here. This is in a series that is designed around competitive parity. That like 15, 20 different drivers can win any given race, any given weekend. Outs below dominate. Again, these are these are spec cars. You only have the choice of the engine and the choice of the dampers that and 
like some other minute stuff that has nothing to do. Otherwise, everything is spec. Yeah, they give you the car and then you do what you will with it. And uh, well, Ganassi won nine of 17. Yeah, more than like, more than half the races here was won by a Chip Ganassi car. Uh, all crazy. like three of all three of their full timers won at least one race, and Dixon went virtually perfect to close out the year for the last four rounds, and still got beaten by more than a race and the first early title won since two thousand and seven, um, which is just, just, just ridiculous. Let's let's get into the other half of the table real quick oh, on this one. Yes, the relegation battle. So we laid it out for you last time. Five teams were fighting for two remaining spots to get in the IndyCar leader circle. Actually, we need to make a correction. Because we had forgotten that after a certain point, teams with more than three cars do not have some of their cars grandfathered in for leader circle eligibility. And that is specifically the number 11 Marcus Takuma Armstrong Sato car. That is not <laughs> eligible. So it ended up being three spots and five cars. Our apologies for this error are first. Ryan Hunter Ray with his first top 10 finish since coming back as a full-time driver. Clutch. 21st. <laughs> Augustine Canapino held on. He was running top five. He was running in podium attention all day. He has an incident with his teammate. Again, we'll talk about it in the season next review, week. But he holds on to the 22nd spot by two points. Yeah. But again, remember, car number 11 isn't is not eligible for those leader circle points. So the 23rd spot, despite being wiped effectively wiped out of the race in the first corner, is the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan racing number 30. Yep. Yuri Phipps just held on. By a single point over Devlin DeFrancesco Drake. Tell them how one point, how it all came down to this one point. Right. Remember how I said that Devlin's damaged gearbox would become very important later? Well, yeah. here's how it became important. On the final restart, it turns out that Devlin's gearbox was stuck in what they call emergency mode. He has to manually operate and ease off the accelerator to activate his gearbox properly. That makes him deathly slow. Now, IndyCar has a 105% rule. Now, for those who don't know, it's very similar to MotoGP's rule. It's the exact same percentage. If you're more than 5% slower than the leaders, IndyCar has the right to park your car. If ask you are John Lacey, slow. ask Simona de Silvestro. Yes. Lotus now, moment. Yes. Now, the thing is, is that Dixon was doing roughly 110s around the back end of that race once the green flag was going again. Devlin was doing 118s, which is outside the 105%. Like, we rag on Devlin for, for a lot of times, but that's like, something's broken in that car. We were saying at the time, like, dude, you are dangerously slow. Get the right. hell off the like, track. He was, a, he was a rolling roadblock at this point. Now, IndyCar gives him a drive-through penalty and says, look, you can try and fix this car and get it back out there. And if it runs fine, it runs fine. They did. They tried to fix it. They put him back out there. Now, at this point, Devlin is four laps down. Remember that. It becomes very important right about now because what happened was on lap 90, they come in again thinking, well, okay, we've tried to fix it. We've tried to do everything we can. We're just going to roll to the start-finish line and get our 91st lap under our belts IndyCar race control parks the 29. One of the race officials steps in front of the box and says, 
you're done for the day. You're done. And at this point, Andretti do not understand what it's for. And they're begging race control. Could you please let us roll the extra 200 yards to the start finish line? Because that would count as 91 laps completed. This is very important. And I'll tell you why very shortly. Race control says, nope, you're done. Andretti is like, look, we'll even roll it back down the pit lane after we're done and the caution comes out. Please just let us cross the start line. Race control says, no, you're done. Park the car. You've been boxed for 105%. Joseph Newgarden was also four laps down. Joseph, on the final lap of the race, Joseph Newgarden passes Devlin D. Francesco for position. Joseph finishes 21st. Devlin finishes 22nd. They lose a point. Devlin's entrant point total is 177 compared to Yuri Vips, 178. And because the leader circle payments are due to go up next year, because of the fact that we're going to hybrids in IndyCar next year, that single parking of Devlin's car cost Andretti $1.3 million. That's a lot of chickens. That's yeah, a lot of chickens. Yeah. Dude, and for a Andretti Steinbrenner Racing 29 car that really needed results and it's on the money being to justify. Yeah, that car, they said, was on the verge of being full because we know that it's Herta, it's Kurtwood, it's Erickson taking Grosjean's place. And unless the 29 team finds another driver that can come up with serious funding, there's no way to justify that seat. Hell, we've been saying for years they've been stretched too thin all this time. The only way you justify this is if someone is bringing a fat load of cash that's not going to be Devlin because it's already stated his intention to leave. Man, what drama! Three million clams. Yeah, like it's 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 amazingly ironic that we say that Andretti is stretched too thin, and then they might be forced to downsize because Devlin was so bad overall this season. The only team that has four eligible leader circle cars couldn't get all four cars in the top twenty-two, or in this case, twenty-three, because yeah. because Marcus Ericsson's car, Marcus Armstrong's car, didn't count. Yeah, remember, Andretti Autosport, they do have four cars, but they're the only team whose all four cars are grandfathered in under the leader circle rules, which sometimes, I admit, works a bit like Calvin Ball. <laughs> but, well, I mean, we, we thought the payout was not going to be like, was going to be just short of half a mil, of a million dollars. No, it gone up. The stakes are even larger. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah uh, this story, goes this, up for next year. Yeah, the story goes is that they it was originally about a million dollars. They cut, I think it was 120000 per car for yeah. the leader circle this year, and they were going to funnel the $3 million saved into increased marketing for the series, uh, which, hey, has largely worked out positively for IndyCar. Most watch season on TV in 12 years. Good for them. Um, so, you know, but the downside was it meant the leader circle payments for this year were reduced to 910000 it goes up for next year to 1.3 million because the series knows the running costs will be a lot higher next year because it'll be the first year that the series runs hybrid power units. We're finally getting the hybrid power units. They're not going to be all that we're going to get out of it, but we're hybridizing. Um, And Andretti got fucked for it. (laughs) Yeah, like, what I will say is this. 
Shout out to Ryan Hunter Ray for going clutch when he needed it most, right at the death. That was a, an, a, an awesome tenth place. That for old Captain dog America. still got it. He's, he's, like, I, it's hard not to feel a little bit sorry for Augustine Canapino, who drove phenomenally well for the first sixty-five laps of that race until that teammate clash with Canamilo. I promise you, it's like it's like the dark arts yeah. of Scorigami. I promise you, we'll mention yeah. it. We're later gonna talk on. about it because, like, we don't have all the information right now. All we have to go on is a lot of conjecture and a lot of speculation. Maybe it's, we'll know by the end of it, but I will say, like, it's not pretty. It's not pretty, and I don't like the way it's being handled. But again, we'll talk about it next week. Yes, man. Yes. Yeah, yeah. but Canapino uh, did get him over the line. Both. Like, congrats to Junkos for getting both cars in the leader's circle. That's a, a great achievement, given that they are still such a raw, such a new full-time team in general. Um, this is their first year with two cars, and they got them both in. That's as, about as much yeah. as you could reasonably ask of the Junkos team at this yeah, point. That arguably, that arguably might have saved at least one driver's career, if not both. Yes, a, a massive, massive um, result for Junkos in the end. Gutted for Mayor Shank. Um, neither car got in the leader's circle. I mean, Pagano's number 60 was already having a, a torrid time yeah. as it was yeah, before. Yeah, that was the car that got mounted by Santucci on one of those restarts. Yeah, um, Blomqvist, God bless him, tried, but he's still raw. Um, he's had very little time in the car. He needs a full off-season to really get going with this. Exactly, and um, it was just too little, too late. They were seven points shy uh, in the end, um, so neither Mayor Shankar gets in the leader's circle. And look, I know I've ragged on them for Daytona the jokes, but that team has been through hell and back this year. They did not deserve... There's many hardworking people on the ground floor of that team that did not deserve the rough shit that their season has been all year. Yeah. How did it all go so horribly wrong for Mayor Shank? Dude, it was going wrong before Simon's injury at Mid-Ohio. Oh, like, God, yeah. I, I don't want, yeah, like, again, oh God, we don't want to give away the whole game, but it, it got... It started off with weird vibes, and then it progressively got worse. I will say uh, MSR's number 06 card did get in. It was... Uh, or above the ECR range, but the 60 car did not get in. But again, that's secure for next year. They're going to have two full-time cars. And if you're wondering, no, Stingray Rob's 12th place performance did not have any impact. <laughs> Nor did Benjamin Peterson, who somehow only finished a lap down in 16th, even uh, when what, it was a magnet like, for other cars. Was like a direct, res, uh, a direct cause of like three of the cautions we saw. Yeah. Goodness gracious. He was shambolic in the car in that race and yet somehow like that was his second best result of the year i'm so i'm so over this series <laughs> i have had this, this series has taken years off my life this year anyone who votes this as series of the year will be shot yeah yeah in the words of yuki Tsunoda, get your brain checked i want to see what's going on in there um <laughs> Uh, it's, oh. it, it, it was a hot mess, um, and that was the final year's circle standings in the end. And we'll talk a lot about that, a lot about the results, and a lot more detail on next week's IndyCar season review. It's going to go along. It's going to be at least an hour and a half of, 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 of fun and joy and a train wreck for the back violence. half of the field. Violence. Just pure, unfiltered <laughs> violence. And that's just Benjamin Peterson behind the wheel. Now... <laughs> 
Before we go, we did get a very interesting bit of news drop on Sunday as well that um, was going to be a bit of a game changer for IndyCar next season. Now, for the first time in 31 years, a non-championship round will be on the IndyCar calendar next year. In March, I think it's March 28th, I want to say. March it'll be 27th. 27th. It'll be yeah, the, the $1 million challenge at the Thermal Club near Palm Springs, California. Yes, IndyCar is having an all-star race. Call it what it is. Um, it'll be lumped in with official preseason testing at the venue. There'll be a random draw where members of the Thermal Club will be embedded with every team. There'll be two heat races where the field will be split up into two groups. The top six will advance to the main event, and then the top five finishers in the main event will be part of a multi-million dollar prize pool with the winner getting the titular $1 million. Limited tickets will be sold to fans to enter the normally exclusive Thermal Club, and the event will be televised on free-to-air NBC. Now, RJ said here, quote, well, we've said IndyCar needs to try something different on the marketing side. Is this a good something, a bad something, or just something? Well, I pose the question to you, Dre. Is it good, bad, or just something? I can't believe I'm saying this. I optimistically lean this towards the side of good. Now, I mentioned it earlier. IndyCar just just had its best season on TV for 12 years, which is actually quite an achievement given that one guy dominated the entire season, which is very un-IndyCar-like. IndyCar hangs its hat on competitive balance, and Alex Polo late wasted his field. There was no competition this year. And there were were also some programming decisions. Like, this race was on NBC, but this race was also... In the middle of football season, it is not worth going into the ratings of Laguna Seca. Not <laughs> one bit. Lop off. Um, even NASCAR, even NASCAR felt that heat. No, you, you you not compete with American football. I know that. Like that, that that's a given. Now, yes, like yeah, it's coming off of a genuinely very good TV season, and good for them. I'm genuinely happy that the 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 marketing revenue, which we have been highly critical of on this show this mm. year it did actually come through in a positive way. And I'm glad that it did. It needed it. We'll ignore 100 days to Indy. Um, but uh, oh, oh, We and the rest of America. <laughs> the race is itself. Which is very ironic given recent news about the next round of IndyCar <laughs> uh, broadcasting rights negotiations, which may mm. also include the sale of one of America's big four free-to-air television networks. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. ABC is up for sale. ABC so is up for sale. Essentially up for sale. Yeah, there's uh, talk about it, and uh, the proper the t- company that wants to buy it also owns the CW, the company that was broadcasting 100 Days to Indy, and also the company that is going to broadcast NASCAR Xfinity Series. Yep, and also some 54 round obscure golf tournament that happens every month that just went through a merger. No big deal. No anyway. Big deal. <sighs> All-Star Race. I dig it. I love it. I I think the series needs to do all that it can to garner attention outside of the 500. We've always said from day one, they go all in on the 500 marketing-wise, year in, year out. It's the one race that arguably doesn't need it because Mm -hmm. that's the one race that that casual America will sit down and watch every year no matter what, and you'll get about 5 million every year on the 500 no matter what. 
You need to do more shit to promote your the rest of your regular season. Why not have an exhibition race that on free-to-air TV that people can watch for nothing and just get a good laugh out of watching some race cars or go around go around a cool-looking club? Why mm. not? I got no, I got no problem with it. I don't like. It, it's a bit fancy. It's a little bit gimmicky. I'm a oh, little it's, like, oh, it's a bit fancy at the thermal club. <laughs> Let me tell you something. And I got these quotes from the Indianapolis Star and Nathan Brown. Uh, the the membership fee for the thermal club uh, is a one time initiation fee of one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. <laughs> And then monthly membership is $2,400 a month. But Trey, the big catch is that every member of the Thermal Club has to own property on the premises. And, <laughs> and the cost of purchasing a lot and building a 30,000 square foot luxury home within five years of joining is roughly valued as of January 23 at $5 million U.S. dollars. Um, so Cam, are you selling the Corvette anytime soon? <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> you can't hey. see me. You just gave me the fattest middle finger he's ever hey. given me on this podcast. Why does um, why, I can't figure out why motorsport has an elitist image problem? By the no, way, no, I, I, I can't for the life of me figure that out. <laughs> Cam, how do you feel about this? Because you've been you've been staring into the void for the last four minutes. It's something. <laughs> it's it's something which is more than i can say about indycar's marketing outside the 500 pretty much at all what i will say is i'm gonna wait i am big wait and see with this yeah must fair. because indycar has put shine on races before and then they have gone sideways yeah tragically so, sideways the last time they had a one million dollar bounty but yeah, thankfully we have learned the lessons gonna... of jamming too many cars into a track that is not suitable for that kind of close quarters racing. This is a road course. It, the worry is that the racing may just be processional because we don't know, because we know the thermal club is a good test track. Does it race? Well, it's, yeah, you just, you it, just don't it, know. we're putting it around a test track. I've seen, I, I don't know. I, I want to see how IndyCar actually approaches marketing this in basically in the period. Sure. And I just hope that if we put a lot of eyes on IndyCar road course racing, the guys and girls of IndyCar don't make the image of IndyCar what it was this past weekend. Well, you're going to be a little bit careful here because right, well, because the thing is, they're not racing for points; they're racing for cash, which might make exactly. them only more, yeah. only even exactly. more aggressive. Exactly, yeah. which is the problem. Have you seen the way people race in the NASCAR All Star Race? And that's the thing that came into my mind when I when I first heard this idea. I was like, look, the thing that bothers me about NASCAR's All Star Race most, besides Ryan Blaney's um, roll cage, is they let like, too many guys in. No, it's not even that. It's more the case of it was it, it was just too gimmicky. Like you need to have a diploma in advanced mathematics and calculus to be able they to have work changed out the format. So many times, Dre. Right? Do you think the format has changed often? Now it's been changing since like two thousand one. Yeah, and the other thing oh, as well. Yeah. Slap shoes covered in his video uh, that like all the gimmicks in the All Star Race that made it special 
are now not so special because every other race in the NASCAR Cup Series, the Xfinity Series, and the Craftsman Truck Series is filled with gimmicks like stage breaks. Yeah, yeah. There's no, it's not special anymore. I want to see what IndyCar does to actually make this a special event, a celebration of their series. Yeah. Right. And, well, the bar is resting somewhere below Devlin DeFrancesco's lap times with a broken gearbox. Mm. It is resting somewhere below my expectations of what is going to come out of this Alex Below case. Oh boy! If, if he hasn't, if he did indeed sign that contract after the uh, arbitration period, if he is, he's a dumb motherfucker. <laughs> he's a he's a and chip, and chip will pay everything to keep him in the car. As well, <laughs> may potentially a certain courier. <clears throat> no, but it ain't like, no brown uh, one, and it ain't sponsoring Denny either. No, no, um, no. Overall, I think this is an optimistically good idea. I want to see how they market and promote this because this is a yeah. big deal. Like saying, yeah. oh, this is a $1 million race. It, like is very NASCAR. It's right in their wheelhouse. I, I hope the format is easy to digest because if you're going to get a lot of casual viewers in on free to air TV, you don't need to make 115 rules about how this weekend is going to work out. Make it keep Roger it like- Penske introduces stage racing into IndyCar. I will fight that man on international TV. <laughs> just keep it simple qualifier heats and a 12 car main event you don't have to overcomplicate this keep it simple make it easy for your audience to understand make it look pretty on television and you're on to a winner make it yeah. the best of everything your series has to offer yeah. good luck that's what it's supposed mm. to be the talent's not the problem here I've said for years like there's uh, enough talent top to bottom to sustain an all star race this past weekend I uh, May have put that in the balance okay. a little bit. M- maybe, maybe everybody just lost their head, being over eager on a brand new surface. Like, ooh, I want to go chase the grip. Uh, I, I need bit, to like give this entire grid twenty-seven twelve golden retrievers out here. <laughs> I, I need, uh, I need this entire grid to have a Snickers and calm the fuck down. We should turn it into a right diva when we're hungry. Now, you turn into an Arca racing series when you're hungry. Oh, God. <laughs> We're going to race around Talladega backwards in tribute. Now, <sighs> air sirens in the distance. <laughs> that'll just about do it for this episode of Motorsport 101 on IndyCar uh, at Laguna Seca this week. We'll be back for the final IndyCar episode of the year, our season review next week. Um, we'll be breaking down all the teams, all the nooks and crannies, all the nuances of what's made their years what they are. RJ will have full permission to nerd out on stats. It's his wheelhouse. He loves that shit. Um, as Cam no one tell Toto. Uh, no one tell Toto because Wikipedia is for nerds. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll crack open all of that on next week's show, as, as as well as our Singapore F1 Grand Prix review. Hey, it's got one less chicane in it. That's a plus, right? Right? You know the outcome. Probably. Charles Leclerc wins the Singapore Grand Prix. Woo! Oh, go, oh, go to hell. Bye. <laughs> I've been Dre Harrison. Cam Buckley's just walked out of the room. He's been RJ O'Connell. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Later, y'all. I feel like the perfect transition would just be like a crashing vehicle in F-Zero GX 
coming across the line. You think you've lost, and then you cross the finish line, and then you actually win the race despite a bit. 